Hey, Gregor, I'm trying to get the sound to load. So let me just go ahead and hit this police intro. Welcome to this week's edition of the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. We have no intro, and uh, we thought that that might happen, so we had a backup. This is the police's canary in a coal mine. It's just the instrumental, so I can talk over it. It is a gray, overcast day here in Austin, Texas. Saturday, February 25th. We squarely entered Pisces. So, um, how is everyone? I think I want to talk about East Palestine, Ohio, and a great poisonous, polluted train wreck that's just been kind of killing cats and foxes and chickens and fish, and eventually it'll kill people, but, you know, it it hasn't happened yet. So, uh, let me just go to this little piece of intrigue here. Pop this down a little quick. Okay, environment workers die in plane crash on the way to Ohio. It sparks conspiracies. Plane crash in Little Rock, Arkansas on Wednesday killed five employees of an environmental consultancy headed to investigate a recent industrial plant explosion in Ohio, sparking conspiracy theories about the accident. Small twin-engine Beechcraft BE-20 airplane crashed shortly after taking off from a villain Hillary Clinton National Airport, the Federal Aviation Administration told Newsweek. It had been headed to the John Glenn Columbus International Airport in Columbus, Ohio. The plane crashed near an industrial area a few miles to the south of Little Rock Airport. The Pulaski County, Arkansas Sheriff's Office confirmed that it had responded at about noon, local time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard, to the crash site of a small aircraft crash, identifying it as near a 3M plant. Officials have haven't yet disclosed the name of those killed. They haven't since disclosed, not in this article. A preliminary report from the FAA on Thursday showed four passengers and the pilot had died in the crash, which was being treated as an accident. It said the plane had been destroyed. CTEH, an environmental consulting firm based in North Little Rock, said all five killed were its employees. We're incredibly saddened to report the loss of our Little Rock colleagues, Paul Nunney, Senior Vice President of CTEH, said in a statement, We ask everyone to keep those families of those lost and, and the entire CTEH team in their thoughts and prayers. A spokesperson for the firm told Newsweek the group had been responding to an explosion at a metal factory in Bedford. Oh, so it wasn't about Palestine after all. So that's what the conspiracies were really about. Uh, unrelated, don't worry about it. So, but there's there's a fair amount of, uh, you know, contravening statements between the government, who's sitting around drinking water in an old lady's house, on camera, oh, this is delicious, uh, to Aaron Brockovich going, whom I trust more, actually, uh, nah, don't believe the government officials on camera drinking the water. What do you say? Anybody want to jump up here and say hello? I'm just going to call upon William. He's usually very good about these things. And speaking his mind. So, I'm going to make you the next caller. Yeah! Hello. Hello, William. 
Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Thanks. Good. Well, I was in the process. I, I'm trying to load up my clip tray so I could put things in the live chat. You know how I like to do. But first, I've got to put them in my clip tray. They get bounced out. I, I'm always adding things and re-entering uh, regarding this matter. So I was working on that, and I'm, I intend to do that. But I could talk about it and then put the corroborating explanatory evidence in your live chat. You know yeah, I mean? you could do that so afterwards, too. If you ever have links yeah. or sources that you want to feature here on the program, and you know maybe you just want to get up and, and talk towards what you know while the moment's fresh, uh, and you can always go back after the um, episode is published and post a link citing uh, the title of your article or feature or white paper, whatever it is. You can always come back and say... You know, here here is the source of, of what I was, you know, towards what I was speaking about. And you can always post your links in the chat. So Gregor's with us. He says, thumbs up at 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Whee! That's really cold. Sub-freezing temperatures wherever you are. Um, okay. I'll, I will do that. Um, There's some things I can comment on. Uh, there's a lot, actually, because I've done a lot of research on East Palestine. First, one of the problems we have is that the testing organizations apparently, from what I'm reading, are not testing for dioxin. Now, dioxin is a common, is a known byproduct of burning vinyl chloride or any plastic. It's highly carcinogenic. In fact, there was a Times Beach, Missouri, that had a dioxin issue where they basically had to bulldoze the whole town, dig out contaminated soil, and now it's a park. It's on Route 66. Hmm. Dioxin's highly toxic. Um, so I, I have corroborating evidence, but anyone can look that up. Times Beach, Missouri, and dioxin, the dioxin poison. That was caused by waste oil that was contaminated with dioxin that a fellow by the name of, last name was Bliss, I believe, was paid to spray the dirt roads to keep the dust down with this material and also yeah. around horse stables. Well, you know, the animals are susceptible as well. And apparently there was 40 horses who died. And the dioxin builds up in the system in the food chain as well. So one of the problems with burning vinyl chloride is what goes up has to come down. And, and that huge plume you saw is dioxin fallout. I'm going to raise my hand and ask a, ask a sensible question here. Why didn't anybody decide to, like, say, if, if it was a, a liquid spill that maybe throwing down, I don't know, some type of absorbent uh, substance like a cat litter or uh, absorbent uh, polymer that would just, you know, absorb the poisons rather than burning it off and thereby creating an additional chemical problem that would, you know, stay around for days. Why didn't they just go back and put sawdust or, or, or something to, to soak up the the waste chemical which is something that becomes recommended i don't know why they weren't doing that well let me give you a little background i used to do i worked for a company called shore environmental that did environmental remediation at a 40-hour hazwapper third i worked on federal superfund sites from california from camp Pendleton to fort or to connecticut and uh so that was my work now i was never on a train derailment spill but there's a couple of things to consider here, and we're getting a lot of mixed information. How many rail cars had vinyl chloride and how many had other chemicals? 
And all I can do is tell you from the information that I've been trying to source that's in the public domain because I'm not there, you know, so we have to keep that in mind. You're just, you're just giving, you know, you're working with what you got. Yeah, given my opinion, which is all I can do based on what I'm seeing, there's a lot of different issues dovetailing here. And you bring up a point, but there's another way to consider it, to, which is this. We had, what I understand, five cars that had vinyl chloride and, and uh, that derailed. And, and the if you recall, we had a train where the axle bearings apparently heated up and they had train sensors along the way that were monitoring the rise of axle temperature to where mm. the last sensor was 215 degrees above normal. I did hear something about yeah. that. Um, I'm just going to ask the other guests that are with us, if you have, a, if you have a, the ability to hit your man plus invite, I think it's really going to be a good conversation. So if you could just hit your man plus invite and invite all your buddies to come listen... Um, I think they would really get something out of this. Go ahead, William. 250 degrees, that's pretty suspect. Well, yeah, well, what they they caught it at 38 degrees. They had several sensors that caught it at 38 degrees Fahrenheit above normal, then like 100 odd, and I I don't remember the exact number, 100, low 100, then 215. And then they applied the brakes because then it reaches a critical point. It, now, there's something else to backtrack a little bit, which was that there's a good article in the Lever News that Crystal Ball covered with uh, Sager recently on and I'm, on what they've the deregulation of the railroad industry over. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, they deregulated some particular aspect of the rail that actually was quite protective, and because they did that, it, it kind of left things wide open. Right now, that happened over three administrations. The best of my understanding, the way that evolved is Obama signed regulations into effect regarding hazardous waste tanker uh, trains. But they, and it was had to do with improving the braking system, number one, uh, to an electronic-type system. Apparently, the system used is based on ear brakes that was developed around the technology around Civil War times. So it's not that, that they don't work. It's just that there's better technology today, you know. So then you had a couple of things that were affecting that. One, the railroad industry lobbied against that moving forward. And they, over three administrations, Obama, Trump, and now Biden, and we didn't get the improvements. They, oh, the other thing they did, Sheila, was they moved the bar. What constitutes a high flammable hazardous substance and how many cars in that train would be needed to designate that particular train, which was, by the way, 1.7 miles long, right? Um, I forget how 150 plus cars as, as needing to have this upgraded braking system. So they found all different ways. You see what I'm saying? Over three administrations, the railroad uh, industry to circumvent regulation. You see what I mean? And there are all three administrations are being pointed to as responsible for this, not any one, according to the Lever article, which again, I, I, I was working on that and getting it into you. So we you know, and, and regulations aren't always bad. I know that they get panned a lot in the libertarian community because some of them are nonsensical and they, they make ridiculous nonsense. Um, they are obstructionist, and they do create um, basically tolls for people to conduct business 
or behave normally, um, and you know they just generate additional revenue for the state so they can have an office to generate revenue for the state, which is ridiculous. But this is not one of those cases. Mm-hmm. You know, having rails, you know, things to stay on the rails and ways to monitor things so that they don't actually break, that's a decent, fair-minded regulation that I'm not necessarily against. It'd be less government to have, you know, a, a proper regulation in place rather than, you know, playing, you know, 16 stooges go down to the crash site and figure it out. Yeah, there's a lot more here. I, I totally agree. Now, regarding um, the, the, the also the thing that happened was cut back on maintenance because this is something that's happening where um, to maximize profit, and this has been going on for a long time, uh, uh, corporations cutting back on regularly scheduled maintenance and crews to do the inspections of the axles, the maintenance, the rail inspections, the maintenance. And so by cutting back on maintenance costs and, and employees and number of employees per train and increasing the train length, you maximize profit, but then your risk goes up. Do you see what I mean? So it's a, that's a, it's a direct correlation. And so, now, the reason they do this is to maximize profit, to build up their stock value, you see? And then they often use stock buybacks to increase the stock value as they profit. And apparently, Norfolk Southern recorded some record profits during this period rather than invest back into upgrades. So there's that's the Lever article, Lever News. You can easily find that, and I will put it in the live chat. So we've got that. To begin with, then we have, okay, now, okay, you have a derailment because apparently the reports are the axle overheated to the point the bearings failed, and due to that, we have a derailment that involved these tankers. Uh, rail cars, well, apparently, the, let's start with the where the, the axle was on fire. That particular rail car, from what I'm reading, was filled with plastics. Not the vinyl chloride, but plastic pellets of some kind. And the thing is, anytime those plastics start to burn, it's very, you have to have special chemicals to put them out. Do you follow me? And yeah. it's, like, it's like tires, really hard to put out a tire burn for, for just inherent in the nature. You have to have the right chemicals. And so that, that car was on fire. Okay. That much I've ascertained. Now, the ones, the other ones, from what I understand, it's it's foggy like i know the majority of the cars were not ruptured at that point and they were not on fire because this thing derailed and then the what what is called the control burn didn't happen for over two days it wasn't like the train derailed and bang you see what i mean right thing evolved so what you're getting at let me put it into a little bit i understand where you're going with this but let me kind of put it into context of someone who's got a little more experience in that realm. Yeah, I have zero. Go ahead. You have the floor. But you have the right idea. In other words, what else could have been done is what you're asking. That's a key question that we're not seeing a dive on. And and here's what I mean. There are a lot of missing chunks here. Like, how did we get to, like, there is a spill. It is this toxic chemical. There's just a huge dropout. Maybe maybe a media blackout of sorts or just yes. or, malordered incompetence because nobody wanted to go there. It's like, 
Oh, the train wreck happened. Ah, run the other direction. Yeah, well, that was a, a response. Response of our leadership. It was terrible. Well, there's a couple of reasons for that, and I'll touch on that in a minute. Because it's highly toxic that area immediately after the spill. Well, hold on. Okay, let's back up. Let me rephrase that. After the burn. So, so there's a reason why those officials didn't show up. They didn't want to show up in Tyvek and double can respirator masks because it would look horrible. But they also didn't want to show up, I believe, because they knew there's a problem there. And I'll tell you how you know that. When you study the toxicology reports, and I've got, there's toxicology reports I've studied and I, you know, uh, reference where I got them from. And the, if you can smell, the chemical for most of these chemicals, if because our noses are not that sensitive compared to um, a dog or let's just say the way it, these things can affect our bodies. But once you can smell them, they're usually at a level that's going to cause problems of absorption of those chemicals through inhalation and or skin contact, and then trying to metabolize that through your liver, right? And if, it, if the levels reach a there's all toxicology reports that I can put reference to where the levels are very, very low for exposure to cause long-term health effects. Okay. Uh, William, uh, let me just put you on pause in case, you know, I, I know Gregor is here and, and I just want to give the overview of just a few minutes uh, of, of the East Palestine uh, since basically it's a weekly overview of, of the news that we have. Um, this is um, Catherine Herridge from CBS, so I'll just be. Okay, Sheila, oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> of EPA data found high levels of nine air pollutants in and around East Palestine. Researchers at Texas A&M University say elevated levels of these chemicals could cause long-term health impacts. The derailment has also become political. Former President Donald Trump visited the site on Wednesday. A day later, the Transportation Secretary met with community members as hundreds of East Palestine residents and business owners say their community was poisoned. Dwayne Doyle is with us. He's the owner of Doyle's Fresh Meat and Deli in East Palestine. Dwayne, can your business... Okay. So that's the... That's the uh, here, I'm going to take Gregor. Gregor wants to come up and talk. Thanks for... You can always come back, William. I'm going to invite you to the speaker column so we can keep the conversation going. Hi, Miranda. I'm glad to see you. Was that CNN? That was uh, that was CBS. Oh. Catherine Herridge moved to CBS. Her and her papers that <laughs> she always shows on camera. Yeah, <laughs> I was shocked. She actually said former President Trump instead of just Donald Trump or something. Well, I mean, yeah, it happened. Yeah. She she was on Fox before she, you know, and CBS is actually a more semi-responsible news agency. Ah. Um, you know, we have a history. Love Canal. Uh, in the Niagara Falls. Oh, area. the Erie, Erie Love Canal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfectly. You know, the perfect example where people cheated the system and the government got involved. And and I, I, you know, 
as a libertarian, this to me is is, is indi indicative of why having the government so re heavily regulate the um, train industry is such a, is such a thing because they're going to end up getting defended by the government. The government will end up paying out whatever fines, and the train company will not really have to be punished. And hence, we get this over and over again because you know William's right. There was maintenance issues. There was all kinds of things that led up to this, and it was. Every single derailment almost is without question avoidable if these companies would actually maintain their gear. But instead they they seek they, they seek the profits and because they're monopolies of a sense, right. it's okay. You know, because there's remember being a railroad from the monopoly game? Yeah. <laughs> it's there for a reason. Yep. No, that's true, it's true. But I mean if if you know if you had if we actually had competition, if you know, the rails were treated more as a as a uh, like similar to the road system, and everybody, all the trains could get on there, or if at least these organizations can be would be held responsible for their actions, which again, I'm going to assume it's an assumption. I'll guarantee it, but I'm going to assume that they in the, in the long run, ten years down the line, when the lawsuits are starting to settle, we're going to find out the federal government's going to have the bill. And uh, the train and the Ohio, the Ohio, whatever railroad is going to be completely cleared or at least not responsible. And this is why things don't work. Really, it really is, is because we don't hold people responsible anymore. Well, I, what I'm thinking about is if I were a person who invested in that community or had basically everything that they had in that community you know their farm their business maybe multi-generational business and everything is suddenly poisoned well that's that's a two that's a double whammy you live there and you have your livelihood there and suddenly it's going to become some sort of environmental desert due to the careless action of a rail company and so does anybody re remember Mr. Robot? I mean, did anybody see the series Mr. Robot? Just kind of throw up a, an emoji or something if you've seen it. One of the grinding axes of the primary protagonist, uh, Elliot, was that his mother, actually his father, had died a slow death from cancer from being exposed to some sort of environmental accident um, due to the company and his long term friend um, Angela was her mother had died as a result of the accident as well but it was a story about both of them how they were both being kind of seduced and subsumed by these powerful interests but the whole point of being absorbed by them was so that they could commit this you know massive takedown act of revenge so I think that there's always long term karmic damage uh, if you subject a human person and you take some huge important chunk of their family away that leads to something what the intelligence community calls blowback and I think that it, in the long-term interest of the United States, they had 
better start looking hard at these families and not just leave them in the wind. Um, you know, I'm not talking send a fruit basket, but but set up some kind of long-term trust for hospital care. You know, let the public, you know, send donations um, to the town. You know, urge urge them strongly to care for their fellow man and you know find a way to cause the rail companies and the executives who were kind of callous about this to face the music you know face what they did and there are ways uh, I know I'm speaking optimistically here but there are ways to do that um, but it takes really courageous lawyering um, a lot of times people who, you know, they get into these fights, they don't always know how it's going to, how long it's going to go. Um, and they, they presume or they're shouted down at the outset. They're like, oh, these people have too much money. They're too powerful. You never know what's going to happen unless you start poking around and asking the right questions. Like, who is responsible how much does this cost? We'll hire our own actuaries and hassle it out in arbitration, you know, at first. But then, you know, if you want to go to war, let's avoid that. But then, you know, they, they would want to sometimes. But, you know, sometimes after something like this happens, they don't necessarily want to go to war. They feel bad. They feel bad. So... I'm kind of gambling on the on the higher conscience of the people who were working in this ecosystem to, to really think about that. They don't necessarily want to be attached to a to an industry where it's not safe because people died in that crash that weren't from Ohio. There were I'm sure that the people working on the train did not make it wasn't a safe place to work so uh, we haven't heard from the labor unions or any of those people about their experiences you know I'm sure that Norfolk has and Norfolk is it Northrop or Norfolk I think it's Norfolk but if it's Norfolk um, then I think that that you know it remains to be seen and heard those employees anybody from within the company um, I, they can't have a crisis management gag on all of them somebody is going to step forward and said I, 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 I hate that this happened and I don't want it to go this way you know according to the news nobody actually died as a direct result of the crash even the okay. but you people on the but I would you want to be on up. that train would you oh, want to be no. work oh no you know, oh no, and um, and I, you know, I'm with you, and and you know, part of it happens that you know, people get get a job, they work in industry, and they get tied to their job, and they you know, and they do things, and it's really sad they do things because they don't think they have an option. And being a train engineer is a pretty limited opportunity work environment. I mean, you work for the unions, you work for a railroad someplace, and there's only what twelve in the United States. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, there's this huge, I don't know how many, that was a guess on my part, don't quote me, but there's not a lot. Um, it's not like there's hundreds of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of railroad companies. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's just... Because there's other mo- modes of transportation that, you know, are, are safer. And the, as, as big of an advocate that Joe Biden was for the rails, he certainly isn't taking care of them now. Without question, you're absolutely correct. And, and I, I would argue safety, rail, sa- rail safety is actually re- truly exceptional given the amount of cargo we haul on it. It's just when they have an accident, it is always cataclysmic. Um, because of the amount of stuff that we move via rail. I mean, the, the number of rail accidents compared to the tonnage is on par with um, ships, you know, and for safety. It's just a real, it's actually a very safe way to move things. However, moving this many chemicals on that long of a train and with the company, as William pointed out, cutting costs in order to save, you know, there's no excuse that a, that a axle should break on a train. Um, you know, there's, we, there's just, there's just, there is none. That's all there is to it. And unless you're trying to save too much money. I, I just don't think that, that a controlled burn after this happened would have solved anything. Well, and I can't imagine. Yeah, exactly. I can only, I can only see that as. Whose who's right idea was it to burn it? Somebody who needs to go to jail. In my opinion. <laughs> Because they, I mean, when you, whenever you burn things, the, what comes out is generally at least as bad, if not worse than what you put into the fire. It's really. I mean, people are just shocked that it's happened right now, but, but I think we're getting to the place where we're now that we're coming out of the stun, uh, stun and run really. And we're asking, we're beginning to ask the real questions, which is who, who greenlit this? Who said it was okay to burn dangerous chemicals? Because, yeah, of course. It totally knocked out. It killed animals all over the place. And um, the saddest story that I witnessed, and actually probably provoked me to do this program, I'll I'll be quick about it, was a story about um, a woman. Her name is Andrea Bellin. I think that's her name. And... She was on Fox. Her cat looked exactly like Sophie, my cat, this cat that's sitting right behind me. Um, and he fell ill. His name was Leo. Uh, they took him to the, to the vet hospital, racked up tens of thousands, like $15,000 worth of bills just to get him on life support. And he was just going to die. And it would have been tens of thousands more to keep him on life support for an additional couple of days. And the poor animal just succumbed to his chemical injuries. And that was it. She's out of, you know, her cat and like 15, 16 grand. And I, I thought about it. And I was like, if that happened to my animal, I think I would be in a really bad place. You know, because it was like looking at a, a picture of Sophie. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And um, so, I, I just, I just wanted to, to, to say that before, before we keep going, is that these people are losing a lot. And maybe there's young infants that are being, you know, people are getting hacks and coughs, they're getting 
chemical burns on their faces. They're getting, I don't know what it's going to do long term to their lungs and maybe their sinus systems. I mean, do any of you, have you heard anything about what those, you know, low level chemical exposure? William, I know you've dealt with a lot. Yeah, what I can tell you is um, if it gets to the level you can smell it and you start getting rashes and chemical burns and respiratory issues, lung, mouth, eyes, uh, nose, uh, throat type of things, it's at a level guaranteed. Again, we get a look at the toxicology reports, which I did put links to in the, in the live chat, by the way. I can talk about that a little more, that you, you're at a high chance of having long-term health effects. Now, children, because their exposure per pound of body mass is higher. Like, say, you're exposed and your kid to the same level of toxin. Well, their body mass is much less, obviously. So the concentration, it affects them much more yeah. because people, like, and same thing with small animals, right? So let's go real quick to the live chat. First of all, from the top down, we have um, WND reports over 43,000 dead aquatic animals to date. Remember originally they were telling us 3,500? Now it's up to 43,000, right? I mean, and you can only imagine why, because when, as, as Gregor said, when you burn these chemicals, and we could talk about the decision to do that, obviously, because that's something you touched on, and I have something I can contribute to that decision, why, what I think about it. Um, when you burn these chemicals, you have, you have dioxin, you have something called phosogen, which is a gas that was actually used in World War One to, to kill the enemy in trenches because it's heavier than air. So, phosogen gas. Then you have a problem with, uh, hydrochloric, hydrocarbons, hydrochloric acids that form acid rain. Okay, now, imagine, you, we all saw this monstrous, frightful-looking thing uh, when they decided to light that up, which was a decision which we can talk about. Uh, I have some issue with it, but but that, what goes up must come down, okay? And that, now, depending on the weather and the winds at that altitude, uh, which I you know, can't give you that information. You have to go to the meteorological reports and, and the weathermen. Where is that blowing? Where has it been blowing over the last two weeks? You see, and where is it falling out? Because the thing about dioxins, as I told you about with the town Times Beach, it's highly carcinogenic and it's a long, like, like one of those forever chemicals that lasts a hell of a long time and it builds up in the, in the food chain. So let's say, you know, you're, you have cows and they graze the grass. And now that's going to concentrate in their systems. And then we eat the cows. You see what happens? And so, yeah. right. So you have so many layers here. And Aaron Brockovich, by the way, I, I did put links in the live chat. Let me see. Did, let me go back. Oh, scroll yeah. down. Yeah, Where, she, she spoke and there's two links to two town halls, which you can go and see. And she, there are three law firms that came and showed up to that. And it was very interesting to listen to these men, um, because they're experts in their field and they're telling people, go get your blood and urine tested now. And the right. first, yes. And the first, because it dissipates over, see, you have the acute level, 
that you want to capture. You know, what is the level of your exposure right now? And then you have the long-term exposure, right? And so um, get it, test it now. And I, and I mean, animals who died, were, were, they told people to bring them to the vets so they can do what it's kind of like an autopsy. They call it ne- something like a necroscopy, where they go in and they try and determine if it was due to chemical poisoning. And indeed, they have found that, as you cited. There, there have been pets, there have been livestock, cows, uh, not only the fish in aquatic life, uh, you know, a, a guy who had foxes, another woman who had chickens. And as far as the wildlife, I find there being an odd sort of mm, what I would call censorship because you would imagine you'd have wild animals dead. Why don't we see? Don't forget there was a reporter who was arrested at Governor DeWine's press conference just trying to cover this. That's Remember that one? That's like, what? No, I didn't hear anything about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in one of his first pressers. The guy was arrested just trying to cover and ask some questions. Right now, since then, uh, he got released. DeWine said he never intended that to happen. The guy wasn't being rowdy or anything, you know? And um, now, since then, I, of course, I always want to pay it forward in that, you know, I'm not there, so I'm getting reports from Status Quo, who had people on the ground interviewing people there. So if you. The YouTube channel Status Coup, they've done some really good work on that. And there's another guy, Neil McCoy. What's Neil's last name? I'm having a senior moment. I'll look at my notes. He's done some good breakdowns of this and the toxicology. Let me let me look through my notes. I got all these notes on different pieces of paper. Okay, but well, let's talk about. Notes, I, I yeah. want to I want to just cut to a, a couple of other news items before we get out of here. Yeah, go ahead. Because um, uh, there are. We traded all of it so we can talk about East Palestine today, which is great. It deserves as much coverage as it can possibly get. Um, it's not a typical thing for us, but it's not typical. It's not every day that a enormously toxic, you know, art imitates life or life imitates art um, with the white noise Netflix. It was unbelievable. I only watched that I think like the month prior. And then here's this train derailment matching the description almost to the T. Unbelievable. So um, so here's what we passed over, essentially. Uh, the CSA, which is a, it's a standards organization, is deciding to address smart home data privacy. And, and, of course, the headline is, and it's about damn time. The organization behind Matter has formed a data privacy working group to create a privacy certification for smart devices, but once again, it will rely on buy-in from big tech. So that is going to be embedded in the uh, link box. If you go to the Unsanctioned Citizen and push left, uh, you'll see all of the articles that are linked here with the program. So I'm just going to move right on to this other article, Bing, Bard, and ChatGPT, AI chatbox, chatbots, are rewriting the internet. How we use the internet is changing fast and thanks to the advancement of AI powered chatbots that can find information and redeliver it as a simple conversation. So uh, they're they're getting into, you know, is it gonna marginalize PR and journalism? Is it gonna, you know, stop people from writing their, their own papers in college and they're trying to put a stop to it and all these little problems emerging. So uh, this next one is Seattle becomes the first city in the United States to ban the caste discrimination. Indian caste discrimination. 
Seattle City Council has added caste to the city's anti-discrimination laws, becoming the first U.S. city that has and the first in the world to pass such a law outside of South Asia to specifically ban caste discrimination. Seattle. Seattle City Council uh, on Tuesday added caste to the city's anti-discrimination laws, becoming the first city in the U.S. to ban caste discrimination and the first in the world to pass such a law such outside of South Asia calls to outlaw discrimination based on caste, a division of people based on birth or descent, having grown louder among South Asian diaspora communities in the United States. But the movement has been getting pushback from some Hindu Americans who argue that such legislation maligns a specific community. Tensions within the community were visible at Seattle City Hall on a Tuesday as a noisy hearing culminated with a 6-1 vote, with a majority of the council agreeing that caste discrimination crosses a national religious boundary that without such laws those facing caste discrimination in the United States will have no protections. So, I mean, it, it remains to be seen. I, I think the only thing that I would add to this is that Seattle it has a very heavy front-loaded H-1B visa from India. Like, there's just a direct line from India's engineering department to Seattle. Like, sh- they should just build, like, a, a channel or something that just goes... And just sends engineers directly to Seattle through the South Pacific. Um, because, the, and then by majority, you know, you go to work, and th- that's why I think it's a joke where they say, you know, if this is dominated by white male, uh, you know, a- approvals and white male. I mean, like, not when everyone is a freaking, like, East Asian, Hindu, Muslim, so-and-so. When the majority of the people in the office are from former e- former Russian bloc, Eastern bloc countries, and India, you know, the white guy is like Pepper. You know, that that's, nobody would believe it, but if you lived there, you would know it. So, uh, so of course, yes, Seattle passed a caste discrimination. It's not really a problem elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, when the majority of the people that come from India are there, they're going to govern things the way that they see fit, and they will just kind of ignore the application or the natural application as intended the spirit of the law for anti-discrimination. And they're like, oh, well, that just doesn't really apply to us. It doesn't apply to us because we're, we're Indian nationals. And so they made, essentially... A city law for Indian nationals. So this is a kind of logic that you know, discrimination is illegal in the United States. It, it, it is just illegal. But when you get these these globalists who've basically been high on their own tech hubris for a long time, people have been telling them how special they are, um, and that they have they have special morality, special powers because they work behind a computer at Amazon or Microsoft, or Microsoft and Amazon subsidiaries of third-party vendors. Because they've been told how special they are. They, they come up with these, these ideas about you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. Like, we can commit slave labor in Southeast Asia and not even blink about it, but we're going to come over here and lecture you about your morality. And I think this is where the DEI really comes from. Because 
caste system is real comfortable for Asian and Indian nationals, not not a traditional way of thinking for Americans. So DEI is a way to kind of superimpose that idea without really people understanding. It's kind of a way to soft soap discrimination. And I think that Texas Governor Abbott has figured it out. So here's what he called. He called Texas Governor Greg Abbott called his diversity efforts illegal and tells state agencies to stop. Diversity efforts in hiring proactively encourage discrimination, AMMO said. So Texas Governor Abbott's office has notified state agencies that the use of diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in hiring is illegal, according to a memo obtained by ABC News. The memo sent on Sunday by Abbott's chief of staff, Gardner Pate, said diversity, equity, inclusion programs in hiring violate the law because they expressly favor some demographic groups to the detriment of others. The funding of such groups or programs is also illegal, the memo said. It did not specify which groups were harmed. Renee Ezi, a spokesperson for the Governor Abbott's office, said in a statement, the letter from the governor's chief of staff is a reminder that state agencies and public universities must follow federal and state law in their hiring practices. Both federal and state law make equity quotas illegal. And equity, as I've kind of roughly framed it in the past, is the ability to oppress everyone equally. Meaning, like, if somebody is excelling due to merit and they happen to be of a specific race or color, well, the idea is to take take the, the, the meritorious elements out so that everyone sinks to the lowest common denominator. And that's why it, that, that is why equity be sucking. <laughs> it sucks. So the issue is not diversity. The issue is that equity is not equality. Here in Texas, we give people a chance to advance based on talent and merit, as he said. Abbott's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a set of policies that foster representation and a sense of belonging for four groups that have historically faced some discrimination. Some institutions have used the framework in hiring to ensure that they foster a diverse applicant pool and undertake an equitable process for internal employment employment decisions such as promotions. Contrary to their stated goal, DEI programs worsen discrimination in hiring instead of alleviating it, Pate said in the memo. Indeed, rather than increasing diversity in the workplace, these DEI initiatives are having the opposite effect and are being advanced in ways that proactively encourage discrimination in the workplace, he said. Texas Tribune was the first to report on the memo. So Sharona Hoffman, a professor of law at Case Western University who studies employment discrimination, said the memo's characterization of DEI policies as illegal as is inaccurate to her. It's incorrect to say that any kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion activity is unlawful. Hoffman said, noting that, for instance, employers can freely recruit workers at places that might attract minority candidates, such as historically black colleges and universities. Uh, The memo from Abbott's office came days after Florida Governor DeSantis, a Republican, said he plans to bar state universities from funding diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Uh, DEI serves as an ideological filter DeSantis said. Some prominent Republican officials have sharply criticized programs that aim to acknowledge or redress systemic discrimination, such as DEI in workplaces or critical race theory in schools. 
2021, Abbott signed into law a measure that aims to ban the teaching of critical race theory in K-12 public school classrooms. Former President Donald Trump has repeatedly condemned critical race theory. Uh, September 2020, he ordered the federal agencies to stop funding workplace training programs based on systemic racism. President Joe Biden reversed the move shortly after taking office, issuing an EO, or executive order, in June of 2021 that promoted diversity, equity, and inclusion in federal agencies. Abbott's memo is motivated by politics, Hoffman said. There are people who are concerned that the United States won't be a majority white country anymore and minorities are getting too many opportunities, she added. This kind of memo would be very appealing to the to the people with those beliefs. And so, <clears throat> but, you know, there, there are people, they've got points. There are points on, on both sides, but it has amounted to a much broader discriminatory palette. Like, we're going to discriminate against people whom we're not discriminated against because that would make things equal. And that's how it actually played out. And meaning, like, they tried it. They ran the program for a couple of years due to COVID. And it turned out that it yielded more discrimination, not less discrimination. And uh, if you've been on the receiving end of that, you know, it doesn't make things fair or a, a better America if that's the case. It's, it's reductive and regressive in every way. So... Um, I just want to move on to a couple couple tweets from Michael Tracy, who's on the Colin Network. Very good analyst. He has the gathering of experts. He's, you know, on a lot of different programs. Um, so he has a tweet here that says, Department of Homeland Security announces its new homeland is Ukraine. And he's often tongue-in-cheek when he says these things. Um, so the statement from Secretary Mayorkas is on the anniversary of Russia... Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Washington Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas released the following statement on the anniversary of Russia's unprovoked invasion. The Department of Homeland Security remains committed to supporting the Ukrainian people and honoring the United States' commitment to provide humanitarian relief to those who are fleeing Russia's unprovoked war from deterring cyber attacks to welcoming more than 22, sorry, 270,000 Ukrainians to the United States, including more than 115,000 who have arrived through our Uniting for Ukraine program. DHS is proud to support Ukraine and its people. We will continue to do so in close collaboration with our international par- partners. So, not really a domestic issue, is what he's saying. And another one, another quip from Mike Tracy, China's proposal on Ukraine is already a non-starter because it calls for a cessation of hostilities followed by diplomacy. And as we know, that's understood to be evil now. Those on the side of good are expected to call for a continuation of hostilities and to renounce diplomacy. So that's, that's why I put in the, um, in the description of the episode that, you know, China sometimes is, is reasonable, but when we're being unreasonable, they know we're not going to go for it. And this is one of those cases. And finally, University of Austin offers forbidden courses. So why are the students praising them? Students describe their experiences in the University of Austin's forbidden courses 
they, they might be considered taboo through its dedication to free speech. And the long and the short of it is that they're reintroducing debate over subjects like if Islam is a religion of peace, single-parent households, transgenderism. But there was no debate over these topics. It was just a one-sided megaphone from the academic industry and then, you know, students were supposed to sit down and shut up and write, write, you know, regurgitated talking points in their books. But that's not so in the Forbidden Courses. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw it back to William. William, are you there? Oh, no, I put him to sleep. Oh, no, I was in the <laughs> live chat. I got it. it. took me a while to navigate back. Um, okay, uh, that was good information. Um, okay, so there's a couple things to touch on. One, we've got Spitfire in the audience who lives 30 miles from the crash site. He's in the live chat. I don't oh, know welcome. if he's comfortable Welcome, Spitfire. In. Thank you for attending. You've been here before. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Um, he seems overwhelmed. He's had some uh, severe trauma in the past, had trauma due to carjacking, so I know sometimes it's hard for him. He used to be a nurse, so he'd be excellent. When he's ready to talk on this, um, maybe not today, whenever he feels comfortable, hope he's able to come into a room. Um, um, just, uh, Gregor, I'm having trouble publishing, so if you ever want to do a room on this, or Sheila exclusively on this wreck again in the future, there's a lot, lot, there's a ton more to talk about. And I don't know how much time do you have today, Sheila? So um, you just. We're, we should be wrapping up soon, so if you've got a real clincher, um, just, just throw it in there and, and, and make your point. Oh, okay. Well, okay, there's, hmm. All right. Well, as Spitfire says, there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation on the ground. I think we're getting, we're seeing that, uh, where you have reporters on the ground like Status Who coming back with one thing, Aaron Brockovich's uh, town halls, you can watch those videos. Um, the, the EPA, the testing agencies that have worked for the EPA in the past, Tetratech and uh, CTEH, have had some real issues uh, in the past uh, regarding, um, let's just say, oh, so questionable... Yes, yes. And apparently uh, CTEH has uh, followed up on the BP spill, the Katrina issues, environmental there, and Tetratech um, has been busted for fraud in 2010 for data swapping regarding a radiation issue. Now, let me say, I want to tell you, in my field, I have friends who, who were involved in the actual, that end of it. And they told me EPA spends 80% of their budget fighting lawsuits. You see, because what they do is, if you see the testing going on now, they haven't tested, from what I understand, all reports for dioxin, first of all. And then we have these issues with the testing companies to minimize, let's just say, the history of minimizing from what I've seen and from what I've heard being in the field. Um, and that's about not uh, reducing health effects, but reducing, reducing liability exposure. You follow me for the railroad companies. We have a huge problem of, of this going on. And so this is one of the issues 
that needs to be addressed. And that's up for the lawyers, as they talked about in the Aaron Brockovich, um, you know, I put the links for the public hearings that he told people, go get tested. First thing someone said, Sheila, was, who pays? Is it free? And he says, we'll talk about that. No, of course not. Who's going to put up the money for these poor people who the property values have plummeted, their ability to earn an income, the small businesses? Oh, my God. On top of the health issues, this is catastrophic. These type of... Right, and, and, yes. and here's a crisis capitalist who are swooping in like like disgusting, disgusting disgustos. So I, I see this... Um, Reclaim the Net did a piece on this earlier this week about the MyID program. Yes. That's a cellular-based app program to grab mm-hmm. people's information. You know, and that is that through the government? Not necessarily. Those are people who just magically showed up like, this will help you. No. No. Well, let me talk about that. That was actually, that was January 29th. That's several days before this accident. The accident didn't happen until February 3rd. Just like the white noise thing, there's some weird coincidences here that could just be that. But, huh? Oh, okay. So that, that, that is another room. That's another room just for this one particular thing. Cause that's my beat. I will go chase that. Yeah, now, now you talked about, and tell me if you don't have time, but there's issues to address on the decisions to then what they call breach those five tanks of vinyl chloride that were not leaking. Could the tanks have been cooled and then transported that material out of there in tanker trucks? Because they had heavy equipment in to dig the burn pit. So we know we had heavy equipment in there, probably a large excavator, to dig the burn pit that they then... Uh, basically drained 115,000 gallons, you talk about sawdust, it's way too much material, 115,000 gallons of vinyl chloride into the burn pit, okay, which was unlined. And this this material is highly migratory. It's going to circulate down through the soil into the groundwater, and that was backfilled without remediation. And I could talk to you all about the proper remediation steps that need to take place to do that properly, to get that railroad up and running again as ASAP. So it appears that the tanks, in my opinion, that there's a strong possibility since only one had was that a mixed message, whether it was one vinyl chloride car that was on fire, whether it was that plastic pellet car with, you know, caught on fire from the, from the bearings that weren't maintained. And then now, could those tanks been been cooled with chemical water suppression and then eventually, you know, have cut a road with a dozer just like you would heavy equipment, that's what they do, and then pull in some you see, we've all seen them on the highway. They look like giant propane tanks. You know what I mean? Some are, are, are where you have the, the pool behind a tractor, trailer. Others are one unit. And it's why wasn't that material transported out of there? So that why was it decided? Because that it could be time equals money when you're shutting down a railroad. You see what I'm saying? And you're not opening that ASAP. Uh, they, they, there was gross. Gross incompetence. Something, some, there was a huge blackout between, like, because those seem self-contained tanks to me. They were. Of course they are. They're self-contained. So why did all of this chemical get out in such great volume, you know? And, uh, you know, why didn't they focus on getting most of those tanker, you know, pods out of there? Those tanker sausages? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions that are going to be asked for a long time. 
and it's going to be a struggle to get the answers. I want to focus on Spitfire, who's yes. here in our chat, Are we? Okay. and he's talking about his property values dropping, and he's yeah. talking about, um, I never thought this would happen to me or my people, and insane on the ground, lots of misinformation. Um, Spitfire, before we take off here, is it what? What's the um, quit pointing fingers? We need to pull our heads out of our asses and collectively fix this town. Our focus right now is on the wrong thing. We can hold these people responsible after we take care of our town people. So that's that's the priority. The people like getting them to safety. Like, what's the the order of, of priority? Like for right now, we're not there. You have to tell us. You know, getting people in a, in a safe place getting them out of the toxic winds like what is it really i can tell you i i, I don't know if he's I, i'll jump in first of all fema should have come in right away provided emergency housing for those people out of that area yeah. number one okay. bang then su supply them with emergency funds clothing funding whatever they needed food that's what fema should have been in there immediately instead they they told people to come back they sent in these questionable testing agencies and we're seeing the result of that right now two you've got ongoing migration of chemicals because i can tell you for sure that burn pit was not lined because you can't light up a lined burn pit and it was backfilled without proper mediation and that's the uh, national uh, uh what is it again and NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, prelim preliminary reports, um, and the EPA. Now, th that suddenly disappeared, some of that from the public domain. But I read that initially. Where they, So I'm going to keep searching for those again, see if we can find them using alternative browsers. But I think this needs to be addressed. Um, so for if, if Spitfire is open or Gregor, uh, I know you got to go, sister. I can open a room. We can talk. Uh, as long and as much as we want. Right, uh, right. I mean, and you're going to have to keep it going, but you know, I just wanted to do this one today. Yeah, you sure. Know, I, I held, I held Sophie close. Um, mm. You know, while you were speaking, because you know, other people's animals are are going to continue to probably suffer. And go. oh yes. So I, I, I actually reached out to Cuddly.com. It's the one thing I tried to do mm -hmm. to see if they'd start an East uh, Palestine Ohio campaign. Yeah. To, to, to sponsor medical care for the animals who are going to continue to suffer uh, from toxic toxic burns and, and and other problems as a result of this. I mean, and we should really do something for the people too. I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't really know what to do because they can they can get in cars, they can migrate, they can get themselves away from this, but their health, oh my God, that's going to be a long term problem. So um so yeah, but we'll do another one. Uh, but as soon as I get out of here, I hope you'll open another room and keep keep the accountability rolling. Amen, sister. Thank you so much. See you later, Gregor and Spitfire. Okay. So um, Spitfire closes by saying these people are two, in a two to three miles should not be there. They should have to have a, an emergency housing until it's proven safe that it's, it's, as it is a process. They put them in their homes and then told them to clean with Dawn dish soap. I never know what SMH means, so somebody's got to. Shake my head. Shaking my head. Shaking my head. Okay, yeah. And then um, this is a poor town, without without a doubt. Yeah, they can't Fire, afford it. Yeah, nobody can afford all that crap. And, and right. you know, if they're going to throw a hundred billion, you know, on the on the daily at at Ukraine, 
they can they can just kind of bring some kind of budget out for little little Ohio town of East Palestine. I, I wish you guys well. I want health and, and stability for everybody. Uh, we'll we'll see you next Saturday here on the Unsanctioned Citizen. We gotta go. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll see Thank you then. Thank you.